Kaishu Hirano now 19. He's got the biggest air so far. 22 feet, 4 inches out of the pipe. Look at him tuck into this hit. This is going to be phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe these Hirano brothers are insane. Watch how huge this is. Even bigger than run number one. Just keeps going. Pink, he just hit one of the satellites in low orbit right there with his tail. That was incredible. Good morning, Hope. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome to everybody who's here in this room in West Des Moines in our overflow rooms and those of you who are at one of our campuses or local sites or wherever you might be. Man, it's good to be one church in, in uh, many, many, many locations. In fact, why don't we say hi to each other real quick? And I know some of you are introverts. You're like, please don't make us stand up and say hi. I'm not going to make you. I'm just going to ask you and invite you to do that. But if it's not your comfort zone, do it as a service to the person who maybe this is the only friendly hello they're going to get all week long. So stand up. Some of you, you sit in the same section every time. And that's helpful for me because if you aren't there, I know when you're skipping church. But, <laughs> but go up and say hi to the people. Maybe you don't know their names. Get to know their names. Say hi. How you doing? I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for coming to Hope. Do it for them. Even if it isn't for you, do it for them. Wherever you are, whatever campus or local site, say hello. Share the love. Ah, it's beautiful. There you go. All right, that's enough love. Sit down, please. Thank you. It's good to be the church. It's good to... Um, have a place where you can get to know God and where you can be known too, and that's certainly the case here. We have a massive new community groups called Hope Groups effort going on here uh, during the month of February. If you missed it, don't worry. Maybe you're new today. You're like, oh, I missed it. How am I ever going to get connected in such a big church? We got stuff all the time. You saw the Hope 360 video, men's ministry stuff, women's ministry stuff, stuff for married couples, stuff for people of all ages, from the youngest to the oldest, stuff that we couldn't squeeze into the Hope 360 every week, but it's there. Just go on our website, find your place at Hope, find that community, find that family within this larger, small city called Lutheran Church of Hope, and that's, you know, that's what it means to be church. That's Acts 2 Church. The video I just showed you is of Kaishu Hirano. This is Kaishu. He looks like a happy guy, Japanese athlete in the half pipe. Did you know what a half pipe was before the Olympics? Uh, the half pipe is an event. The walls of it are 22 feet high, and Kaishu Hirano went up another 24 feet 4 inches, which nobody has ever done before in competition. He didn't win a gold medal, because a few jumps later he crashed, and then he crashed again. His brother won the gold medal. That's him over here, Ayumu Hirano with Sean White, who's won the gold medal in the half pipe. He's an American, and he's been mentoring these Japanese brothers for years and years and years. It's a tight-knit community, kind of like being in a hope group here at Lutheran Church of Hope. They're, they're brothers, and, and Sean White's been mentoring them and loves them, and even though Sean White bowed out and took fourth place, he passes the baton to the Hirano brothers. This is Kaishu Hirano, though. He's, it's not the gold medalist I want to focus on, just as the opening illustration, it's it's his 19-year-old younger brother who's 5 foot, 5 inches tall and 119 pounds. And he went higher on a snowboard than any human being has ever gone before in competition. 
It's 46 feet, four inches above the ground. Can you imagine being four and a half stories above the ground and then saying, now I need to land. Now, now I need to find a way to come down without, without absolutely killing myself. And he did on that. You saw it in the video. Nobody's ever done this. He's like a, like a bird just, just flying up there. <laughs> the announcer, who's a former snowboarder himself, said, bing, he just hit a low-flying satellite, you know, with his tail. <laughs> you got to love the half-pipe announcers. You, they might be. Anyway, I'm just going to kind of keep moving along. <laughs> so here's Kaishu. And when I watch that, maybe you're not a sports fan. You're like, I don't know, where, where is this going? But you know a sports fan? This might help you explain sports fans in your life. When a member of the same human race that I'm a part of stretches what a human body can do, what, what an athlete can do, what somebody who's created by the same creator as you and me, when you see somebody do something that has never been done before like that, whether he gets the medal or not, that's just downright inspiring. That just blows me away. That's part of the reason a lot of sports fans watch sports, to see how far it can be stretched, to see where it can go, to see what the best of the best can, can, can accomplish and achieve as they take on feats that somebody who's six foot five and 57 years old is never going to do. There's one Olympic event I might be able to do. Did you see the guy with the dad bod from Michigan, the 40-year-old snowboard racer who happened to be paired with a gold medalist, and he wins a gold medal because it was snowing and they wanted somebody heavy to kind of like push through the fresh-fallen snow? There's hope for me. There, there's a chance. I could use my, my mass, you know, just the physics of it all, and maybe I could get down the hill faster. I have to learn how to snowboard first, but... There's just something about that. It's, that's why some of us are going to be watching the Super Bowl today, because our teams aren't in it. What's new? My team's never in it, the Bears, but not for years and years, decades ago. And, but some of you are Rams fans. I see the jerseys and the T-shirts, and you, sir, deserve it, because you wear that all year long. I, it's not a bandwagon thing. And there's Bengals fans right over here wearing them proud. It's not the first time they've worn their Bengals shirts to hope. And, and so I, whatever campus you're at, maybe you've got people who are gung-ho for one team or another. I could care less. And I'm a huge sports fan. But I'm going to watch the game because there's, there's things I want to see, and it's not just a huge sports fan. But I'm going to watch the game because there's, there's things I want to see, and it's not just the commercials. Here's this kicker, Evan McPherson, and if you're a Chiefs fan, I'm, he kicked the overtime game-winning field goal to, to end the Chiefs season. But you had your moment, okay? So that's all right. So this, does it help you at all that that afternoon on Twitter he posted, to God be the glory, John 3.16? He gives it all to God. Does it help that the head coach of the Bengals was asked this week at the press conference leading up to the Super Bowl, what's your priority going into this game? Faith family, friends, and football, he said. In that order, he said. Faith, family, friends, and football. It's good alliteration for those of you who like, you know, the same letter starting off words, but more than that, it sends a message. One of the coaches of a game that's going to be watched by people all around the globe today, people from all sorts of countries everywhere, one of the head coaches of one of these teams that people get obsessed about says, this is the fourth most important thing I'm doing today coaching this football team to win the Super Bowl trophy. It's important, but it's the fourth most important thing in my life. Fascinating. 
for Rams fans, there's these two guys who happen to be better at what they do, almost without argument, better at what they do than anybody else in the National Football League. A cornerback who's an all-pro corner, which means you're the best of the best. Jalen Ramsey's his name, and he was interviewed this week, and he says, when we become Christians, he's speaking about himself. First place is no longer our position to hold, it belongs to God. He goes on to say, I play for the glory of God now. I play, I play to, to, put a, to, to let my light shine for his glory, not my own. Cooper Cup, who's got the best wide receiver name in the history of wide receivers. Everyone just say, it's just fun to say. Everyone say, Cooper Cup. <laughs> See, I told you it was fun. Cooper Cup, maybe you've never heard of him, but if you are a football fan, you've heard of him because he's done things no wide receiver's ever done before. Caught more passes in this season, this season, than any wide receiver's ever caught in one season in the history of the National Football League. He's Cooper Cup. He always gets open. When he played the Bears earlier this season, I didn't like him at all. And I was so disappointed to find out he's a Christian leading up to the Super Bowl. Because <laughs> I didn't want to like him. No, I'm just kidding. I, I love him, even when he was toasting my team. Somebody asked him this week at his press conference, they said, well, this is the best year ever for you, right? And he responded by saying, without missing a beat, I'm living in Christ now, and that, not the records, makes this year the best. The best year ever. It's not because I'm setting records. It's not because I'm 46 feet, 4 inches above the ground. It's not because I'm, I'm the head coach of, uh, of a football team that's going into the Super Bowl. It's my fourth most important thing I'm doing today. It's because I'm living for something more. I do this every year during the Super Bowl, the sermon the morning of, because I, if you're going to watch the game, I want you to realize there's deeper things going on than just people putting on helmets and wearing the colors of their team and, and trying to win a trophy. And I hope there's something more going on in your life than that too. That your life hasn't just been reduced to a series of potential achievements and things that you want to do. You're not just a human doing, you're a human being. It's not just what you do, it's who you are, which gets us right back into our text for today. These are people who stretch their bodies and inspire the rest of us by doing things that, that is, we're just glad to be connected to the same human race, that they can do that, that God created somebody, the same God who created you and me, who can do the things that they can do. We're all connected in that way. And so our bodies matter, they matter to God. The Bible has a lot to say about this. Our, our Bible reading for today, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, says, Don't you know? Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And so you must honor God with your body. Too many Christians, we, we, we make this too simplistic. We, we minimize this. We say, well, I've got my spiritual life. And once in a while, I like to tend to that. It's important that I do that. I, I try to do spiritual things so that my, my soul or my spirit gets fed. And, and then I've got my, you know, my body, my physical life. There's no connection. Oh, and then I've got my mind, the things that I think about. There's no connection. But there is. Biblically, there is. The way God wired us up, according to his own word, there absolutely is this connection between body and spirit and, and mind. In fact, that's our focus if, if you're kind of keeping score during the month of February in this sermon series called Taking Care of You. It's not all about you. It's, it, it, it's taking care of you as a steward. As a, it, it, it's taking care of you as a steward, as a, as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Last week you heard a sermon about spiritual health. And this week you're here. And next week you'll hear a sermon 
uh, about mental health and the mind and, and getting through difficult times like we've been facing collectively over the last couple of years and how our faith absolutely matters in the midst of that. Third John 1, John writes this letter, this epistle, and he says, dear friend, as he writes this letter, I hope all is well with you. Listen where he goes, right, right off the top of his letter, that you're as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. But they're connected, biblically speaking. There are a lot of, of uh, well-meaning teachers. I don't, I don't want to criticize or slam them, but, but they make this too clean and too neat. They say, well, you, like I was saying before, you got your spirit, you got your body, you got your mind, you got your soul, and they're all separate, and they're all these different categories. Or they say, no, actually, there is, a, there is kind of an overlap, and so at the place overlap, and so at the place where those three or four different circles intersect, that's you. Really? What about the part of your body, the part of your, the things you think that, that aren't in that intersection? That's still you and me too, right? It doesn't add up. There's, there's a mystery to that. So I, I just want to point you to the text. I want to point you to what the Bible says instead of what the teachers teach. And maybe what you've been kind of taught along the way and, and that you believe. I, I, I think that when we know the truth, the truth sets us free. So let's dive into the original texts or the original languages of the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament's written in Hebrew, almost all of it, a little bit of Aramaic, and the New Testament is written in Greek. The words are up there. I'm not going to do the regular joke of let's read this together, but this top line says pneuma and ruach. Pneuma up here is Greek. Ruach here is Old Testament Hebrew. It means the same thing. They're just two different languages that are really the same word. It means spirit. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, the second verse in the whole Bible, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit shows up. Did you know that? Almost all of us know the first verse, in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, the second verse in the whole Bible, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit shows up. Did you know that? Almost all of us know the first verse, in the beginning, this is there too, we'll learn later in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word, the logos, in the original Greek was Jesus Christ, and he was in the beginning in creation too. So this misnomer that God is Old Testament and the New Testament is when Jesus and the Holy Spirit show up, no, it's, it's, it's more mysterious, it's more glorious, it's more majestic than that. God is bigger than that, the, the mystery and the, the wonder of the Trinity, that there's one God, but this God relates to us in three persons, and this is the point where a lot of people start to, ah, I can't, I, ah, my, I can't my mind can't take that, I, it doesn't add up, it has to add up or I can't believe in that. Wow, your God's way too small. I see it as a, as a great benefit and blessing that God's bigger than what a human mind could fully take in. That it's more than we can do the math on and figure out, even our greatest mathematician or engineer, that, that we're not going to be able to deduce God and fit God's character and nature and identity neatly into a tight little box that we control. God will not be controlled by us. We are created under God, not as God. We are created by the creator. We are not the creator. God is bigger than us. God is Father. God is Son. God is Holy Spirit. God is one, and yet God relates to us as three. How does that add up? 
you'll never be able to figure it out. People will give you a simplistic illustration. And it's helpful, but it doesn't clean it up. They say, well, God's like a, you know, like a clover leaf. There's three leaves, but there's just one leaf. Or, or, or God's like an egg. There's the outer shell, the white, and then the, the yellow yolk in the middle, or the orange for the really healthy people, right? The, 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 there's these three parts, but it's just one egg. Yeah, it's helpful, but it certainly doesn't tie the whole thing up in a neat bow. It just gets us to contemplate it more and think about it more. Be a little wary of any overly simplistic explanations of the nature and the identity and the character of God. God has revealed through his word enough of his nature, identity, and character that we can trust him, that we can put our faith in him, in all of him. Even the parts of God that are hidden that we don't see because our brains can't take it. We can't take it all in. God's bigger. He's the God of creation. He's the God of life. He's the God of resurrection. He's the God of eternity. He's the God who's not bound by time and space. He created created time and space so that we'd have measures and boundaries to have a little more order in this fallen world it's a gift but God's spirit is hovering over the waters in Genesis 1 then you turn the page into Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 and it says and God the creator takes the dust of the ground and what does he do he breathes and there's that word his breath his life his spirit It's God's life that gets breathed into the dust of the ground and creates you. So I thought that was when he created Adam. Do you know what Adam means in the original Hebrew of Genesis 1 and 2? Mankind. All of us. God took the, you want to have some other fun facts? God formed man, the Hebrew word is Adam, here for man. God formed Adam out of dirt. The Hebrew word for dirt is the same root as Adam. God forms us, our bodies, out of the elements of the earth, out of this creation that he's created. We have a physical part of us, a nature to us. In the mystery of creation, God takes us and we have the body, but we're more than flesh and blood. We're more than bones and water. We're more than just our physical bodies. We know this. Great philosophers, Socrates, Plato, they tried to figure this out. They said, well, you've got a body, but clearly in their brilliance, they said, there's something more going on because you feel. You have emotions. You have a psyche. You have a, the Hebrew word, a Greek word for, for soul is psyche in Greek, and in Hebrew it's nephesh. You have a, a being. You're not just a human doing, you're a human being. It's not just what you accomplish, it's who you are on a deeper level. And the greatest philosophers in history realized this right away. They said, well, there's something more going on than just what physical science can measure. There's love. And just as a quick public service announcement, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. You're welcome, men. So here's this thing. You have a, you can love, you can feel, you can be inspired, you can notice beauty, you can be overwhelmed by the beauty of of music or art or, 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 or God's nature or creation or what you see. That's more than something that you can measure in a physical way. There's something spiritual going on. And here's what the Bible says, ultimately. It says, everything is spiritual. It's not just that you have a physical life and then, oh, you have a spiritual life and they're disconnected or they have a little intersection part. No, Scripture, in the totality of Scripture, makes this case. It says, actually, everything is spiritual. Because you wouldn't have a life if God's spirit, his breath, wasn't in you. 
It's his spirit that meets your body, the earth. And when it's all said and done for us, what is it for us? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. The scriptures say, out of dust we were created and to the dust we shall return. One way or another. Physically, that's what happens to the body. But you go on living. Romans 8 promises. Hear this good news from God today. The power of uh, uh, this majestic, mysterious God who says there's nothing that can separate you, your being, your soul, your psyche. Who you are is bigger than just your body. Maybe the body doesn't contain the soul. Maybe the body is a subset of something far bigger. Us, me, you, the the soul. That's where the Bible points us. Because Romans 8 says, when your body dies, you still go on if you belong to Christ. And if you are in Christ, there's nothing. There aren't angels or demons. There isn't a power on the face of the earth. There isn't a force. There, there There isn't life or death that can take that psyche, that soul, away from you. I don't know about you, but that gives me goosebumps. That inspires me. That reminds me of who I am. That reminds me that everything is spiritual, and within everything being spiritual, then that means the way I treat my physical body is a spiritual pursuit. Here our Bible reading for today now with that in mind. Your body is a temple. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you should honor God with your body. Not just because, you know, you want to show off the guns this summer, because it's coming, right? So sun's out, guns out. And I want everybody to notice how, how buff I am. You know, that's vanity. And the problem with vanity is it's not going to get you where you think it's going to get you. It isn't going to reward you and satisfy your soul. Because you're more than just, hey, look at how good looking I am. Look at how buff I am. Look at how strong I am. If that's your motivation, it's not going to take you where you think it's going to take you. You're going to have some dissatisfied moments, some moments of disillusionment, like, hey, I did all this. How come everybody doesn't just think I'm the bomb now? Because you're more than your biceps. You're more than your body. You were made for more. And when you realize that, you start to hit your stride. Now it's a truth that can set you free. I'm not saying you shouldn't like lift and get big biceps and take care of your body and eat right and exercise. I'm saying the opposite. You should. Do those things for the glory of God because everything's spiritual. Now it's going to be sustainable. Now it's an act of worship. Now it's not just what you do so that people will notice you. It's who you are because you're in a relationship with this incredible, majestic God who made you out of the dust of the ground. He breathes his holy, it's holy, his Holy Spirit into you. That makes you holy. (laughs) That means you've got God's breath of life in you. And that creates the soul. And that's the thing that goes on. We also know from Scripture that there's a resurrection of the body. So if people hear that, they're like, oh, I kind of wish I was just a soul in eternity. Because I'm not real fond of my body. I've got some body issues, you know, and we live in a culture that's body obsessed and body shames and all those really negative things. Now, when you get to heaven, really good news for you, the Bible's clear in this, you're going to have a glorified body. Let me give you an example. Someday we'll meet in heaven, not because we're so great, but by the grace of God, because we were in Christ, we were living in God's grace. You'll be there, I'll be there, we'll all be there, we'll meet, and you'll look at me and be like, I don't remember him being that good looking. I do not remember, he was, he was not, wow, he is a really good looking guy. 
That's right, I will be. And so will you. We'll have a glorified body. Well, well all the flaws are gone, all the, all the stuff that, that keeps us, you know, from, from being where we want to be, this side of heaven in a fallen world. You got it. So the resurrection of the body and, and your soul reunite in some mysterious God sort of way. He, he created you out of the dust of the ground once upon a time. He can do it again, even if you're ashes. He takes the ashes and the dust, the Bible says, and he breathes. His, it's because his spirit is in you. It's not the way you're buried that matters. It's the Christ that you live in that matters. That's our hope. That's our promise of salvation. God formed us out of the dirt of the ground and blew into us, into into his nostrils, the breath of life. And the man, the Adam, the us came alive, a living soul. So let me walk you through for the rest of this sermon just briefly. I want to highlight uh, some of the things that the Bible says about Taking care of your body is is an act of spiritual worship. The first one is that your body matters to God. Not just our text for today, 1 Corinthians 6, your body's a temple, but Romans 12 says that when it comes to your body, give it over to God. Give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Your body is not your own. My body's not my own. It belongs to God, it says in 1 Corinthians 6. So give it to the God who made it. In other words, manage your body, steward it, is the fancy Bible word for it. Take care of your body as an act of worship. This is truly the way to worship him. Be careful. Some people say, in this world of either or all the time, in a Twitter verse, right, where, where people are like, well, it's not this anymore, now it's this. So we totally like throw the baby out with the bathwater. We say, well, it's never this anymore. Now worship isn't what we're doing here on a Sunday morning whatever location you're at. Worship is what we do the rest of the week. Actually, biblically, it's both. (laughs) And they both are essential. The Bible's clear that what we're doing right here, hearing God's word, praying, singing praises to God, that we're wired up for this, we need to do it, we're commanded to do it, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, Uh, coming to God says, don't, don't, don't uh, neglect coming together as the people of God, Hebrews says, and gathering for worship. This is worship. But here's the part that maybe kind of expands our view of it. It's also what you do after this service. It's what you do while you're watching the Super Bowl. It's what you do if you're going to watch it. It's what you do Monday morning when you go back to school or work or, 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 or you, you hang out with your friends or, or you're in your neighborhood. It's still worship. Because everything is spiritual. Not just what we do on Sunday mornings. Biblically speaking. This is spiritual, but it's not where spiritual stuff ends. We continue on. Now you start living for the glory of God wherever you go. That's why those Los Angeles Rams guys and Cincinnati Bengals guys are saying, I'm living, I'm playing this game for the glory of God. I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing this to get, I'm I'm set free to actually be who I was created to be now. Are you? Your body's a temple. So number one, your body matters to God. Number two, you're way more than just a body. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says this. It says, don't judge by appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So if you look more like Homer than Kaishu Hirano, who's who's doing the 40-something foot jump, it's all good. You're beautiful. 
You're beautiful just the way you are. There's more to this story that's kind of fun. God sent a prophet because he needed a new king for Israel. Spoiler alert, it would be David. Did I ruin it for you? I'm sorry. It's going to be David. But the prophet shows up, doesn't doesn't even look at David because David's a pipsqueak. He's a little kid at the time. Well, it couldn't be him. It's got to be his big brother. Look at him. He looks like royalty. He's a big, strapping, strong, athletic guy. It's got to be Eliab. It's got to be him. It can't be David. It's got to be this guy. And that's when this verse comes in. Don't judge, God says, by David's appearance, or by Eliab's appearance or height. He looks like a king, but I look deeper than that. So should you. So should I. When you see other people, do you see them physically on the surface in a superficial way, the way the world sees them and judges them? Or can you take on the view and the vision that God has? The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance and say, this donut-eating bozo, what, what, what good could he do for the kingdom? But God sees his heart, and I, I'm not saying Homer's heart is right. Let's face it, Homer's got issues, right? He's got, he's got some things he needs to work out. But the Lord looks at our hearts. We should too. Living in a world that body shames, living in a world that's body obsessed. I want you to hear this clearly, not because it's just me saying, hey, I'm trying to give you a little self-esteem boost. I'm telling you what God's word says. You are a masterpiece. Your body. You are beautiful, and that's the third thing. You are God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says this. It's not a summary of what I think. We are God's masterpiece. There's King David, well, at least the artistic sculpture that Michelangelo chiseled away. You know, before he chiseled away, that was just a blob of granite. But he found the beauty inside of it. That's you. God made you beautiful. Your body is beautiful. If you do work out and you do these things that that manage and steward your body in faithful ways, do it so that you can find that, not so that you pursue sinful vanity so everybody notices you. It's not going to satisfy your soul. We're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago so that we can find life and find it to the full. We live in a culture, though, man, it, it just slams people. and It gets to the point where young women... Uh, can fall into the temptations of anorexia or other eating disorders, and it can be fatal. I know I'm preaching to people who that's your struggle, or, or you have a loved one who that's their struggle, and a huge part of why that's their struggle is because of the psyche, the soul of, of us as a society collectively, that we've made her feel like she has to be a skinny little waif, that she can't be beautiful unless she fits some sort of over like uh, uh, edited version of, uh, of a glamour model that's just not biblical and it isn't true and so I want you to hear this again you're beautiful you're a masterpiece this is what God's word says in fact I want you to say it turn to the person next to you and say my body is beautiful baby just go ahead and say that I mean it's obvious right you could say that too obviously my body's beautiful baby is beautiful baby just go ahead and say that I mean it's obvious right you can say that too obviously my body's beautiful baby do you know why you're laughing you know why we- my body isn't beautiful I mean I got issues I got you know I'm working on it I, I mean I got issues 
I got, you know, I'm working on it. I, I have some stuff I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to, I, 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 not, that's not true. Other people maybe, not, not. The truth is your body's beautiful. You've got God's word on it. So let's say it wherever you are all together. Let's shout it out. My body's beautiful, baby. One, two, three. My body's beautiful, baby. Yeah. How's that feel? You're like, I still don't believe it. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're all on a journey. But what if you started seeing your body the way God sees it instead of the way everybody else judges it? That's freedom. That's life. And that's good for your soul, which is bigger than anything else there is about you. Take good care of your soul. Everything's spiritual, including your body, but not just your body. Don't make it all about your body. Your body's part of something way bigger. Your body's a temple. You're beautiful. Your body matters to God. Uh, You are God's masterpiece. And if you are, then take good care of it. The the way you eat and the way I eat or drink, stay hydrated and and eat the things that are good for you. Jen, who's a dietitian, is playing keyboards for us today and she comes to the Super Bowl party tonight and there's chips and dip. Or there's biscuits and gravy, apparently, for breakfast across the hall today. It couldn't have been worse timing, but okay, there, there it is. That's all right, as long as that's not what you're doing every day, all day. Take the chip, dip it in the dip, and enjoy the snots out of it. I mean, just, just soak it up, because it can make you happy for about a minute and a half. Just don't eat four and a half bags. Just, just don't go back for seconds and thirds on the biscuits and gravy. Everything in moderation. I'm not an expert on this. I mean, we could have Jen come out as a dietitian or as those of you who are nutritionists and you, and you, you know the science of it. I don't claim to be that and I'm not going to pretend. You can Google that stuff. You can look it up and encourage you to do it. It's an act of spiritual worship. That you would be a more faithful steward of your body. I will tell you this from my own personal experience, my own story. About eight or nine years ago, that you would be a more faithful steward of your body. I will tell you this from my own personal experience, my own story. About eight or nine years ago, I hit a wall, physically, never knew about. And now we see them because they're manifesting in all these different ways. And you're going to need a couple surgeries and a bunch of other things. They didn't say a couple then, but that's what it turned out to be. You're going to need to change the way you live. And they say, you can't eat this stuff anymore. And now you have to eat this stuff. I'm like, (laughs) you just described everything I eat. That's like, every, that's like my joy in, in food. You, I can't have any of that, and now i got to eat the stuff that I chose not to eat ever again because it doesn't taste good. My approach was whatever tastes good. If it tastes good, eat more of it. If it doesn't taste good, pass. Ooh, I mean, life is short. Eat, drink, and be merry, right? Until you kind of hit that wall of humility, and it really humbled me. And I started to change and I don't have it perfect, clearly, but uh, I changed the way I eat. I, for me, it was a Mediterranean diet, which isn't a diet at all. It's a, it's a change in how you see food and the purpose of it and, and why you eat it or why you don't and, and, and how you take care of your body by what you put into your body. And this is biblical. So I started looking like this little girl when I'm eating meals. Genesis chapter 1, the beginning of creation. God says, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. 
You got everything you need. Those of you who are looking for it, those of you who are vegans and vegetarians, you're like, ha, I knew it. The Bible says you're supposed to only eat what I eat. It does say that you're supposed to eat that stuff, and lots of it, but it also says in Genesis 9-3, and please, if vegetarian, vegan, if that's the road you're on and that's good for you, you stay right where you are with God's blessing from Genesis 1-29. But if you're a meat eater, Genesis 9-3 is here for you. (laughs) Because it says, God says to Noah when he gets off the boat, hey, you see all these animals running around? That's dinner. (laughs) Now that's a paraphrase, but you can look it up on me and you'll see that that's really very close to the intent of that verse. There you have it. Now, should you eat, you know, meat every meal, huge amounts? Of course not. We learn things. And and God gives us brains. And God gives us science. And God gives us nutritionists. And the ability to say, this stuff is better for you than that stuff. The stuff that isn't good for you, put it in the moderation category. The stuff that God makes, the stuff that doesn't have an ingredient list that's like longer than your arm, the stuff that maybe has like two or three ingredients, or better yet, one, This is an apple. Eat it. This is a piece of broccoli. Steam it and don't dip it. Just eat it, right? There it is. Don't pour a bunch of melted Velveeta all over the top of it, even though it's delicious. Go ahead and just eat it the way it is. I made it, God said. I made it for your body, which is a spiritual act of worship. Now we're doing it for the glory of God. Between that and and the next one, number five, the last one, I started moving. I'm not a runner. I don't have a body of a marathon runner. And and if that's your thing, keep doing that. Or go to the gym. Pump the iron. Lift the weights. For me, it's walking. I'm, I'm almost obsessed with walking. I have a walking app on my phone. I try to hit it every day in my goal. Almost obsessed with walking. I have a walking app on my phone. I try to hit it every day in my goal. It's changed everything for me. Between just them every time, I'm so glad I did. I'm not saying that every time I sit down for a meal, I'm like, oh, I'm just so excited to eat this vegetable dish. This is going to be awesome with some fish. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. My taste buds aren't going, yay! Although I have started to crave some of the good stuff, which is fascinating. And when I go back and eat a lot of junky, greasy food, I get sick. It just doesn't feel good. And so I've started to change my focus. I'm like, I don't want to just eat something that feels good while I'm eating it. I want to eat something that feels good after I'm done eating it. Like the minutes that follow. And I don't need to take a, a, you know, a bottle of Tums in order to get through it. Eat the stuff that's going to make you feel good. Exercise is like that. It's not like every day I get up and I'm like, well, I'm going to go take my 30-minute walk and this is going to be awesome. It's 82 below. This is going to be great. Or I'm going to get on the treadmill or the elliptical and I'm going to do it here because it's so cold outside. It's not like I'm always like, woo, this would be awesome. But every time I'm done, I'm like, man, that was awesome. It cleanses you, the body. Endorphins start firing. You feel happier. You're more alive. You have more energy. You're more awake. When I did these simple things, without even trying, my goal was not to lose weight. I lost 35 pounds within no time and I've been able to keep it off because it wasn't a diet diets I don't think they work very well most of the time changing the way we think that works doing it for something bigger than me or how I look or my vanity 
You know how many times I tried to lose 10 or 20 pounds and didn't do it? Until I just changed the way I thought about it. Until I did it for something bigger than me. Something more than my own vanity. Something more than just the way I want to look. Get moving. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says this, Physical training is good. It's also, training for godliness is much better, but physical training is still good. My friend Greg sent me this on a text this week, this picture he took from his treadmill while he's listening to the Pastor Mike Drop podcast. Now there you go. You're feeding your spirit as you're feeding within your spirit, your body. You're, you're taking care of both. It's good stewardship. It also says this, next screen, next verse, in 1 Corinthians 9, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? Run it to win. Go. Get moving. Rather than me tell you to do that, I decided I'd end in a way that would be harder for you to forget. So I invited my friend Lance. Uh, come on up, Lance. Everyone say hi, Lance. This is Lance Farrell. He's been a member of Hope for over 20 years, and he's one of my best friends, and man, I love this guy. He also, you know, it's Olympics time. Lance uh, was in the Olympic trials in Taekwondo. I think you were like one match away from going to the Olympics. Um, so, I mean, it, what's amazing about Lance is he's 94 years old, and he still looks like that. It's incredible. Even if you're just meeting Lance for the first time, uh, he was going to our Ankeny campus because you lived up there for a while. Now he's back living down here. So sorry, Ankeny, your loss, our gain, <laughs> but it's all the Hope family. Uh, so maybe you haven't seen him around West Des Moines for a while, but you've seen him up in Ankeny, but it's all the Hope family. Uh, so maybe you haven't seen him around West Des Moines for a while, but you've seen him up in Ankeny. But you, you know of him because you drive by his exercise. thing or two about exercise science. He's like the guru of Iowa. And so I asked Lance to come up here at the end and show us how we can worship God. Everything is spiritual by doing a one-minute workout. Everybody up! If you're able, stand up. Let's go. Come on. Get moving. It'll be easy. It's, it's for everybody. Okay, on, Ephesians 2.10. When you look in the mirror, you may not see it, but God sees a masterpiece. Okay? you got to wake up. We're going to wake up some muscles right now. Okay? So you're going to stretch a little bit with our arms. Then we're going to do 10 squats and hold it down. Then we're going to do some isometrics, working the biceps and the triceps. Okay? So let's stretch. Put your right hand up. Your other right hand. Okay. Stretch it over. Other side. Oh, feel the burn! Other side. Other side. Oh, you look good, huh? And one more each side. Oh, you went. Hey, 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 Over. They finally have their hands up in worship. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah awesome. there you go. Okay, let's squat it down. Ten times. One, two, three. Lower. Four. A little lower, Lance. A little lower. Five. Yes, sir. Get down there. Come on. Six. Seven, eight, nine. Then we're gonna hold, hold it down. Put your one hand on top. Push down. Work those triceps. Pull up like you're squishing the grape between your palms. Push it hard. Push it hard. Five more counts. Six, seven, eight. Harder. Nine, ten. Stay down. Now switch your hands. Other side. Ready? Got to do both sides. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Lower. Eight. Nine and ten. There you go. All right, you wrist on the hand. Good job. Yep, heart rate's up. That's good. How do you feel right now? Better, right? Just even one minute. Your body was made to move. Move it. Watch the Super Bowl. Sit down, relax, eat a chip. <laughs> but in moderation. Move around before that. 
Get going. Thank you, Lance. That's Thanks, awesome. Mike. Stay here. But let's keep moving, right? Move on over to your favorite grocery store, pick up some supplies of food, and bring them in for the Super Bowl food drive. Make it an act of spiritual worship. Yesterday, a seven-year-old comes in with his dad before the service. I was hanging out, getting ready for the service. He comes in, he goes, I said, hey, thanks for bringing in your food. So well, actually, it's Turner, my son. He got on the Hope website, found the list of things that are needed most, says, Dad, let's go. And he takes his dad to the grocery store. I think his dad drove. But he takes his dad to the grocery store. They get all this food, and they come back. Pass this on to your kids. Do this for yourself. Discover the joy of cheerful giving, because the need, sky high right now. Sky high. Grocery prices are going way up. That pushes more and more of our neighbors into places where they're food insecure. We can help. If you're food insecure, the food's for you. Take it. Take what you need. I'm, I'm not kidding. Take what you need. But if you've been given the blessing of affluence, go out and serve. Go out and make this your spiritual act of worship. It'll move your body, which is good for your soul, which is good for your spirit. I'm a little, like, out of breath. Good. I'm so excited. I mean, I did deep squats, not like you. You were kind of cheating over that. Yeah, I see how that is. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? I think I'm done here. Get it? Good. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Go out and, and be the church. Your body's a temple. Take care of it. Oh, and let's sing a song too, right?